Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Nectar, Sex, and Soul. I'm your host, Soraya Leonora, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach. This is a chance for us to get intimate, to reach far into the mystical, magical, erotic, tender, inspiring, vital, primordial depths of what it is to be human, what it is to express and inhabit these amazing bodies fully, and what it is to make love to the divine in everything we do. We'll be penetrating deeply into the nectar of what it is to be alive and turned on by life, how to transmute pain and hardship into pleasure and medicine, how to embody the union of polarities, including sex and spirit, and how to love every piece of ourselves wholeheartedly. This is a space where we don't just talk about the act of sex, but rather how sexual energy permeates every area of our lives as the seed of creation and the source from which we all came. Exploring sexuality in this way not only takes our sex lives to the next level, but is a catalyst for a life that turns us on in each and every moment, not just in the bedroom. Within you stirs a sexual vitality that is capable of so much more than you could possibly imagine. This is what we explore on Nectar, Sex, and Soul. Thanks for coming to play. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Nectar, Sex, and Soul. This is Soraya Leonara. I'm so excited to have you all here today. I have a really exciting guest. And before I get into that, I just want to let you know that I'm on the tail end of COVID, so a little bit of scratchiness today, as well as a few tech issues, so please bear with us on that. We um, had to navigate all kinds of Mercury retrograde tech issues and actually got cut off. Um, the internet cut out a couple times while we recorded, so we had to re-record a piece of it and still were able to weave it all together, thanks to the help of my lovely assistant, Maya. So thank you for being here. Today, we're going to be talking about the differences between mindless and mindful masturbation and the ways that you can work with self-pleasure in a way that is deeply nourishing and fulfilling and feeds into your life in a positive way rather than being distracting or depleting or addictive. We're also going to be talking about the ways that porn can disrupt not only our sexual satisfaction, but also many areas of our lives. And as we've talked about so much on this podcast, it's all interconnected. So we're going to be diving into how to play with our sexual energy in a way that feels really good and how to navigate the parts that don't feel so good. So I have a really dear friend of mine here today that I'm so happy to have here. His name is Lee Kirak Dahl. He's been a dear brother of mine for about four years now since we met in Tulum about four years ago. And he runs a project called Army of Love, which is all about gathering community in very vulnerable but playful uh, purpose-oriented and musical-oriented ways, and he's a super fun guy to follow, so definitely check him out on Instagram and the show notes and follow the projects that he's up to. He'll share more about those later on the episode, but I am so excited to have him here today because he is just so near and dear to my heart. He is such a unique gem of a human being truly one of the most authentic people that I have ever met in my life. Uh, he's really just what you see is what you get, very much himself, always so generous with the way that he is willing to share so openly and vulnerably of his own experiences, particularly around topics that 
most people don't feel comfortable talking about even with their best friend. And Lee really helps break the ice by talking about these topics very candidly and publicly and just so uh, with so much heart and and just genuine expression around his experiences. So I'm so grateful for the way that he shares and the way that he helps give other people permission to do the same and to open up. And I'm so grateful to have him here today with all of us. Yeah, we have always had a very candid relationship and I'm going to let him tell the story about how we met because it's a really fun story. But yeah, without further ado, Lee, thank you so much for being here. It's so great to have you here today. Wow, what an intro. You're you're filling me with love over here. I (laughs) deeply appreciate it. And I deeply appreciate you as a friend, a human, a teacher. I have so much respect for your passion and the effort you put in to sharing the wisdom that you've accumulated over the years from all of the trainings and just life experiences that you've been open to. So for me to come here and be a part of what you're sharing with your community is truly a gift and an honor. So thank you for having me. Mm. Mm. My pleasure. I'm so excited to have you here. And I think that everyone's really going to enjoy hearing us speak about our experiences with this and hearing about your journey with it. And I know that so many people have already been so touched in hearing about your journey with these realms. And so I'm just very excited to extend that to my own audience. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to start it off, I can share how we met because I think it's a great way to open this conversation. Yes, please. Yeah, so it was four years ago. I was living in Tulum, working at a hostel. And at that time, I was, in hindsight, I would say I was coasting a little bit more than flowing. I sort of got comfortable in my nothingness which is beautiful in a way but I really lacked direction and purpose and as a result I found myself escaping uh, throughout my day multiple times and oftentimes this was with eating with smoking marijuana and with masturbating to porn So I had gone to a party in Tulum, and I wasn't particularly connected with the vibration of the experience, and I was ready to make my way home. And as I was walking out, uh, this lovely woman was sitting at a picnic table, and I didn't think or anything, but I was just drawn to come join this woman who ended up being Soraya. And... Very quickly, we got into the depths of everything. Uh, She simply asked me how I was feeling. And I told her that I had very low energy and that recently I've been smoking three to four to five joints a day and jerking off to porn about two or three times on a daily basis. And I just put it all out there. Uh, I think that you emit a certain vibration, an aura, if you will, that offered a safe space for me to maybe release some things that were weighing me down. And I'm so glad that I did because in the preceding 
two hours, we had a conversation in which you really helped me understand some of the implications of mindless masturbation and just an ejaculation in in its own right and all of the power that comes along with that and how we're communicating to our body that we're creating life every time we do that and the connections to creative energy and energy as a whole uh, i was completely unaware of this so prior to receiving that information you know we're not taught this if you don't really seek it out on your own at least in my experience so prior to meeting you i was just going about my mindless masturbation processes uh, without having the awareness of what it was doing to my body and my human experience so you know if you're unconscious there's not really much you can do to approach these situations if you want to call them that but as you become educated now you can really take steps towards leading a more fulfilling healthy life so i'm forever grateful that we crossed paths that day and since then we haven't skipped a beat it's been in the deep zone uh with sprinkles of humor and lightness i think that's something that i really appreciate about our connection is that we're passionate about self-awareness and presence but also willing to laugh at ourselves and sort of not be so serious along the journey which is sometimes easier said than done yeah absolutely and you know it's I think it's so important to, to weave the laughter into it where we can and, and not take it so seriously because we're all really stumbling our way through it all. You know, sex is, <laughs> sex is messy. It can be awkward. You know, hopefully it's, it's fun, but if it's not, that's okay and we can laugh about it. And I think that's so important to just not take it all so heavy. And the more that we can have these lighthearted conversations that still touch on the depths, the more... Uh, accessible that is for other people to do that as well so let's see there there are so many directions that we can go with this there's so many things I want to get into with you first I want to just speak to I think masturbation in general can get a bad rap and I want to at first just say that there are all kinds of ways we can relate with masturbation that are healthy and fulfilling and there are ways that are draining and distracting and anywhere along the spectrum in between. And so in discussing this topic, I want to make sure that nobody is feeling shamed in how they are working with their sexual energy. Shame is something we're going to be addressing today that I think is so important to work through. And I want to encourage everybody to just have an open mind around, to, to get curious around what kind of relationship do you want to have with your sexual energy? How do you want it to feel? How do you want to approach it in a way that feels good and nourishing to you? And I personally think that self-pleasure is an extremely healthy and vital piece of life. Sexual energy needs to flow. If we ignore it or we try to stuff it down and repress it, it's going to stagnate or it's going to build up and either fester into frustration or it's going to need to explode or it's going to self-implode. There's all kinds of 
things that can happen when we ignore that energy. We also don't want to be projecting it onto other people that are not consenting to that. Um, We don't want it to be leaking all over the place in a way that makes other people feel violated in some way. And we need to let it flow. There are ways to do that with an integrity. There are ways to do that that feel nourishing and revitalizing for the body. I think for people that choose to not engage in a self-pleasure practice, especially if if they are choosing celibacy or they don't have a partner and they're not engaging that sexual energy, I think it's very important to still be letting that energy flow through martial arts, tai chi, qigong, uh, breath work, something like this. We don't want it to get stuck. And I think a lot of people who choose celibacy, even including... People like priests and shamans and monks, if they are not working with that energy properly, we we see it come out in weird sideways ways. And so I just want to say that energy needs to flow. And we're going to talk about the difference between how to let that happen in a way that's nourishing versus like, are we just flushing it down the toilet, literally, mindlessly, in a way that leaves us feeling exhausted. So I remember you were talking to me about living in the hostel and jerking off in the bathroom there. And I I encouraged you to, I think I asked you, like, what would it be like if instead of just going in there to, like, get it done, you treated it like you were making love to yourself and you treated the experience in the same way that you would if, if it was, like, a woman that you were really into? Would you just hurry up and take her into the hostel bathroom three times a day. Probably not, maybe on mm. occasion, but probably that wouldn't, that wouldn't be the go-to, <laughs> yeah. the go-to choice. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting perspective that I hadn't considered before. And even now, four years later, I'm still learning about and noticing and witnessing the sort of energy that goes that comes along with the actual experience mm-hmm. and when i was going to the hostel bathroom it was very rare that i was going there with a smile and big straight shoulders and really like mindfully stepping into what i was about to do it was almost more like shamefully like checking to see if anyone else was coming and then I can you know imagine myself now like hunched over slumped up and just kind of getting one off and uh, certainly not in a frequency of love celebration exploration more in a frequency of feeling anxiety Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word and just looking for a short-term fix to ease that. And, you know, there's such a dramatic difference in creating a space with candles and some light music where you can really relax into it, right? Like, I didn't even know what the nervous system was four years ago. But now revisiting our conversation, I can really see the difference between being in fight-or-flight mode and jerking one off real quick versus really being relaxed and allowing that energy to flow through my body in its natural state and really tap in to my sexual energy. I I didn't even know what any of this stuff was. So I'm really excited today to hear you give some examples of how we can 
allow that sexual energy to flow through us in healthy, sustainable ways. Absolutely. I think that's the first thing we have to look at is why are we masturbating? Is it because we actually want to connect with our sexual energy or is it because we're trying to get something out of it and, and we're trying to like avoid something? I think a really helpful way to look at this is if your sexual energy was a person, would they feel used? Would they feel honored? Would they feel respected? Would they feel excited to engage with you? Would they invite that kind wow. of engagement from you? You know, how would they receive the way that you come at them? How would they feel after the interaction? Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, it's even triggering me <laughs> now hearing you say that. Um, which maybe we can sort of take the conversation in this direction and I can share how my relationship with porn uh, started and how it got to a level of what I would describe addiction. Mm -hmm. And that was in my teenage years. I was a bit insecure as a boy, uh, particularly with women and sexuality. And I discovered porn. And probably some of it in the beginning was like, whoa, I got this raging erection and what do I do with this? Yeah. Uh, and I think we, many of us experience that going through puberty or whatever it is. Um, but what I really want to talk about here is that it was coming from a place of avoidance. I was feeling stress and anxiety and didn't really have the education, awareness of any tools to sort of calm myself down in a healthy way. And I really started using porn as a way to escape. And it just built over years. I mean, really, we're talking 10 plus years of doing this. And the first five or six years, not really having any awareness about being tired from this or maybe the quote unquote negative side effects of using porn so frequently. So in that context for five years, you have a young man who is leaning on this coping mechanism anytime boredom, anxiety, discomfort, you know, whatever you want to label that feeling as, uh, it became a tool for me to escape that feeling. And now as I'm evolving, much to the help of you, really, I mean, it's, it's mostly been your help that's brought me to where I am. I'm so grateful for that. And where I am in my process now is, in reflection, uh, really being grateful that it was there for me in these times. I mean, it's easy to have the narrative of I was doing it wrong and this was bad, this was bad, but now I'm really coming to a space where, hey, at that point in my life, that's what I was using. And to the best of my abilities and knowledge and awareness, this was something that allowed me to alleviate suffering in the short term. But ultimately, it led to deeper habits and addictions which were having longer term implications that didn't really serve me. So I think that many people out there are sort of 
mindlessly in this loop of masturbation as a way to provide a pause on their anxiety. But many of us know as soon as you ejaculate, uh, that's usually a good indicator of where you're at. Do you feel fulfilled with what you just did or are you full of shame and disgust and you, the way you close the browser is very secretive and now you're back in reality? So at a point for me, I became more aware of that and I was like, okay, yeah, it feels good to escape the world for 7 to 37 minutes, but that weight of reality when it's done. Uh, after a certain point, I couldn't lie to myself anymore that this felt healthy to me. Mm. And then I was a little bit more curious about, is this the healthiest thing? Is this the, the best way to be dealing with my stress? And I believe if you do so mindfully, it can be a great tool. Uh, but if you're just mindlessly going through your day, for me, it developed into a habit. And I would say it developed into an addiction over time. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, and what you said about feeling the, the weight of the world, the weight of reality when you come out of it. It's like it's, it's still there facing you, but now you're depleted. Now you've just spilled your life force in a way that wasn't so fulfilling, and you're still facing the same problems. And then it, it snowballs to where you want to avoid them even more. To me, there's a misconception where a lot of spiritual teachings that say that pleasure is the problem, is the distraction, is the thing in the way of discipline, I think it can be, and I think it can also support discipline. So for example, if I sit down and try to work at my computer all day long and produce content and see clients, and I don't bring any pleasure into that, I'm not going to be as radiant and present in what I'm bringing forth. I'm not going to be as creatively inspired and I'm not going to be embodied because I'm like hunched over my computer or whatever. It's like, if, but if I'm <clears throat> taking the time to sit up straight, to stretch every 10, 15 minutes, if I have my, my cup of tea and I take moments to really enjoy that tea or really savor a piece of chocolate, and I take dance breaks in between and I move my body and I take a step outside for some fresh air. These kinds of things are revitalizing my workflow. They're feeding into my discipline. Whereas if I'm avoiding doing the project I'm working on and I keep going to the pantry to grab some snacks and I'm eating chips mindlessly and I'm you know, getting distracted on Facebook and this kind of thing, that's akin to this kind of hunt for the next dopamine blast to distract us from what we have to do. And that's how we approach pleasure in a mindless way that's trying to escape. But we can also approach it in that mindful way that's feeding us and that's keeping us in a place of embodiment because when we're disembodied, we don't even realize how these things are negatively affecting us. So like you said, you didn't even realize how depleting these habits were for a while. And I see this all the time where when I start working with men who are having some sort of erectile issues or premature ejaculation and they watch a lot of porn and I tell them we've got to start by getting off the porn so often, they don't think that's the problem. They're like, no, I'm not addicted to it. I don't think that's going to change my erection strength. I really don't think it's as big of a problem as you think. And I tell them to just try it and to just trust. 
And as they start working with embodiment practices and working with the breath and working with self-pleasure in a different way, they start learning to listen to their body and to pay attention to the somatic communication of the body. They start to notice, wow, I have more energy. I have more focus. I'm starting to feel more. I feel more alive. I feel more inspired. I feel more confident. But when we are in the habit of being disembodied, slouching, mindlessly eating, mindlessly watching porn, we're not really paying attention to what the body is communicating until the point where it gets so loud that we can't ignore it. Yes, as you were elegantly articulating all of that, I took some notes here, and it reminds me of a theme that comes up for me often. That is that our our energy, our beingness, is almost like a river of water. And if we're getting up and we're stretching every 10 or 15 minutes, as an example, uh, we're allowing that water to flow. But when we become disembodied, as you say, uh, it's almost like the water's sitting now and the mosquitoes are coming and the river's turning into a swamp. And then it gets so heavy and stagnant that I come to a point where I feel the need for like an extreme release Mm -hmm. or drainage of the swamp and oftentimes that's not done with a mindful breathwork session that's done with running to fill my body with more food to feel better or in this case to mindlessly masturbate because there's this just this stuck energy in me and since I'm not really in my body, I'm not making conscious decisions to get the water flowing in a healthy way. I'm just looking for a quick way to sort of dump this swamp out of my system. Yes, yes, absolutely. Our sexual energy is the element of water. Our bodies are made out of mostly water. Water is life, right? Like we have to be letting that water flow. We have to pay attention to how it's moving and it's, it's, it's our blood, it's our organs, it's our breath. Like all of these things need to be moving. Otherwise it becomes stagnant. It becomes shut down. The yogis say that constipation in all of its forms is the biggest source of disease. And so we can, we can feel Mm. very systemically constipated when we're not moving our energy. And I think a lot of times when we are doing something compulsively there's there's something we're trying to avoid and it's it's either that we need we need to be taking action on something and it's scary and so we're avoiding it or it's that we really need genuine nourishing yin energy that we're not giving ourselves because we're too burnt out from going too hard that now we're so depleted that the easiest thing to do is watch some porn or turn on the tv or binge eat rather than saving some of that energy to have the discipline to sit down and do some breath work or to do some yoga or to go for a walk in nature because that takes discipline too it takes discipline to consciously make the choice that's going to be more nourishing for you and Mm. I, i think a lot of times we're just not paying attention to what it is that we actually need and so when you spoke to like I'm going to the bathroom like hunched over. There's kind of this like sketchy, shameful energy about it. It's like when we pay attention to how am I, what's my body language like? How am I feeling? What do I express like as, I, as I'm on my way to do this thing? And where is that coming from? And what's the underlying need behind it? 
where am I trying to get with this? Because that's going to be that awareness is 90% of the solution. We're making the unconscious conscious and looking at the why behind doing what we're doing. There's all kinds of reasons that we want to masturbate. Is it because we're anxious? Like you said, uh, loneliness is a big one. Boredom, avoiding doing something that's uncomfortable is another big one. Like you, I mean, I I think a lot of people would think, oh, it's because I'm horny and that can for sure be the case. But I see it also be a manifestation of all these other things very frequently. It's, it's a way of avoidance or self-soothing that is not as soothing as it could actually be if we were channeling that energy a bit differently. Yeah, I think the avoidance of working on something that brings upon some difficulty in our path, that's been... Wow. A lot of my sessions have come from that source. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to ask you is if you have any wisdom to share in regards to keeping this river flowing and staying embodied and not losing touch with that, because I think there's a few layers to it, but right now two layers come up for me. And there's the actual activities like oh do 10 minutes of breath work or five minutes of stretching this that or the third and I've reached a point and I've gone through phases where I'm completely aware of which activities will get the river flowing mm-hmm. but it seems to be that there's a missing connection underneath it and it's almost like a a job or like I should be doing these things rather than really wanting to. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up is there's all this information out there. There's Instagram memes and things that are guiding us on the right path. But ultimately, if you don't have that loving relationship for yourself underneath that, I find that the desire to partake in these healthy activities comes from a place of lack rather than a place of love and expansion. And that's something that I'm really paying attention to now is really coming to my core and having a conversation with myself about what would be fulfilling for you today. And then stepping into that from a place of love rather than like having this to-do list, like every 10 minutes I need to stretch. That's what, that's what they say. <laughs> and then when you don't do that because the, the source of motivation to do this isn't coming from a pure place of love, it's coming from a place of lack, then there's two or three days that you don't do the stretching. And then I feel shameful about not showing up for myself. And then that leads to leaning on these coping mechanisms. So what do you say, uh, or from your own experience, what advice would you give to someone who is somewhat aware of what activities to do, but maybe the mindset and the alignment hasn't been met yet? Is there some deeper soul searching to do there? Yeah, this is a great question. I'm really glad you brought this up because I think this is something we've all struggled with. And so there's a few things I'll say to this. The first one that I like to look at is what's in the way of us being able to do or be or feel x y and z so if the problem is like what's in the way of me acting towards myself in a loving way 
getting clear on that. Like, what is it? Why, why do I have resistance to that? Do I feel unworthy? Am I addicted to the drama of not loving myself? That can be a big one. We, we love to fester in our shadows unconsciously. We're not aware that we love that, but there is an unconscious part of us that enjoys staying stuck. And so really looking at like, what do I get out of this? What do I get out of looping in this way that consciously doesn't feel good to me, but unconsciously there's a piece of me that's enjoying it, that's doing it. Either it keeps me safe, either it's easier than pushing my edges and putting myself out there in a way that feels scary. There's all kinds of reasons why we hold ourselves back. So getting clear on what they are, getting to know them, again, making the unconscious conscious is a big one. Why am I avoiding this? It's really warming to me to hear you say that because I believe it offers an opportunity to flip the script on this anxiety that shows up in our life. And rather than saying, this is heavy, I don't like this, I'm going into my shameful rituals, it presents an opportunity, a path to really discover on a deeper level what is the root cause of what's driving me to lean on these coping mechanisms. And I also think it's important to mention that within that internal inquiry, Uh, Maybe there's no right or wrong way, but I think if we're fixated on finding the source to fix it, uh, I don't think that's really the healthiest way. I think it's more about being open and inviting that feeling in, even if just for three breaths. Mm -hmm. So instead of just mindlessly running to the cigarette, to the porn, to the chocolate, when this feeling shows up, it offers an opportunity to sit with it and become a little bit more familiar so that as you continue to do that, I believe you're getting closer to the root cause of what's causing this resistance, as you say. Absolutely. And we, we want to be willing to feel that and to really ask it what it needs and to open dialogue with our bodies, with our sexual energy, with our heart, you know, just get curious and ask, what do you need? What can I do for you? What would be nourishing to you? and start having that kind of relationship with yourself in the way that you would with somebody else who you love and start paying attention Mm. to how you feel with everything you do. Pay attention to how you feel when you watch porn. Pay attention to how you feel with each of the foods that you eat. Which ones make you feel bloated? Which ones make you have more energy? Which ones give you a stomach ache or make you feel brain fogged? Really start noticing how do I feel when I'm looking at my phone how do i feel when i'm looking in the mirror like just start noticing what is the body expressing in everything that you do because the more the more attuned you can be to how things feel that in itself is a pathway to embodiment right there and so then it no longer becomes a matter of oh it's on my to-do list to stretch every 10 minutes it's oh i'm feeling some tightness in my neck I'm going to take some time to roll my neck and, and do some stretches because that's going to feel really good and nourishing right now. That's what my body's asking for. Not because I should, not because it's on my to-do list, but because it's what I feel to do in this moment because I'm dropped into my body enough to hear its signals when it's asking for something. 
And that takes practice. If we've been in a, in a, in a habit of being disembodied throughout our lives, it's going to take practice to bring that back online. And I don't think we want to approach any of this as a should. It's more just like, you know, if, if you're training a horse to stay on the pathway or a dog to, to heal, it's like you just gently bring them back on course every time they step off. They're learning. And that's how we are. We just have to gently bring ourselves back on course and just keep asking questions. What does my body feel like right now? And, and pay attention to like actual sensations. Oh, I feel tightness in my throat when I connect with this person and I notice I'm stuffing my truth down. Oh, I feel um, a pit in my stomach every time I sit down to work on this project. What, what is that pit about? What's it asking? What does it need right now? Does a few mm. breaths help? Does, okay, maybe I'm feeling incapable of working on this project. Like what would help me to feel more capable? Like what, what do I need to do to feel ready to approach this? Maybe it's that I need to be more forgiving of myself if I make a mistake. Maybe it's that I need to ask for some more help. Maybe it's that I need to do more research first. Like getting clear on what's behind that need. How can you meet it? And I think then discipline becomes more of a thing of choice from an embodied inspiration rather than an obligation that was sourced externally, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I've had an ongoing relationship with the word discipline, and I think it really depends how we approach it and how we look at it. And if it's this sort of forcing yourself to do uh, in my experience, that hasn't been sustainable. Whereas if it's really coming from a conscious place of supporting my body, my energy, my myself, it's a different approach to it. And what's really helped me is playing a game in my mind that my body or myself is like a really good friend. Or to take it even a level further, which is a little bit dramatic, but I've leaned on it in my life. Uh, my mother was sick with cancer for seven years. And in those last four months of her life, she was extremely weak. And there was, there was nothing that I wouldn't do to serve her mm -hmm. in those moments. So I'm grateful for that experience and that level of love and care that was pulled out of me. I don't know that I would have been able to offer that rich of authentic love without those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And now having had that experience, I'm able to sort of play this game in my mind where I would treat myself as I would treat my mother in those cases and really ultimately what it is is unconditional love yeah. <sighs> that's a beautiful example it's and it's it's true like our our body is precious and sacred and so if you can connect somebody in your life who is precious and sacred to you who you would give anything for and apply that to your body your body is your your soulmate your body is the one that's here with you from birth until death, the only one that will be with you for every single second of your life. And your life depends on your body. 
And so if it's helpful to think about it, it's like, how would you care for your ill mother, for a child, for your dog, you know, like any any of these things that it's easier for you to to connect to that sense of care and love. I think that can be so, so, so helpful. And another thing on the note of discipline, there's a Shaolin monk and his name is failing me right now, who discusses discipline as a pathway to freedom. And I think when we look at it that way, um, we, we recognize that there's, there's a lot of reward and beauty and fun involved in it. And so, for example, you know, if you've ever watched Shaolin monks and everything that they are capable of, everything they can do, it's insane. They basically have total freedom with their bodies. They can do these superhuman things. And, you know, they've cultivated that same freedom within their minds as well. They can do these superhuman things because of the discipline they've cultivated. And it has created a pathway to true freedom in a way that most of us will never experience. Um, if you want to have freedom in the way that you play the guitar, you have to have the discipline to get to know that guitar so damn well, to train your fingers, to be able to dance with that guitar, to make love with that guitar, to the point that you have total freedom of expression. Whatever you want to express, you are able to do so through that guitar because you have cultivated the discipline to do so. So I think when we see that discipline is actually a pathway to freedom, it helps us to see it in a less restrictive way and more of a, this is something that is actually going to give me what I want. And if I approach it from a place of choice um, and, I, and I allow myself to enjoy it rather than being focused on the goal or the destination, but I enjoy the journey, that's the other key. Because if we're too focused mm. on the goal, it's still going to suck. So <laughs> we want we want to really find the joy in each moment. And I think that's a really beautiful way to rewire our relationship with that concept. Yeah, I, something that came up for me as you were just speaking is this idea of the short-term satisfaction mm -hmm. versus that long-term journey to freedom. And it makes me think about how all of this is connected and every little choice that we make factors into the next choice. And I believe oftentimes my need, my perceived need for that short-term satisfaction is really essentially an escape from being with my own emotions and my own energy. So without having these daily check-ins, whether it's stretching or just recentering in a conversation with a friend, on that path to freedom with discipline, which deep, deep down, I know that's what I want, the ability to be with the emotions and things that show up along the way sort of lead me to step off that path and go to the hostile bathroom and masturbate. So what... What do you think is the relationship to short-term satisfaction? And this can apply to many areas of life, but since we're focused on porn and mindless masturbation here, what is that in relation to escaping and then, you know, the word of the century, dopamine? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. 
Wow, so much to say here. So yeah, we, we live in a culture of intense instant gratification and dopamine addiction. And there's so many cheap ways to get that dopamine. Um, and it's, it's really like junk food. And so when I look at like short-term instant gratification desires versus long-term more fulfilling desires, am I feeding the, the true larger picture fulfillment or am I feeding just the short-term one? And it doesn't have to be an either or 100% of the time, you know, like we, we can we can allow ourselves to have things that are enjoyable and pleasurable in each moment. And I think the way that we choose to do that is what's key. It's recognizing that pleasure is available to us in every moment if we open to it. There is an enormous amount of pleasure to be felt in just breathing properly, like really sensual, full belly breathing is one of my favorite pleasure practices to really drop in with the breath and you can do that while you're doing anything else it doesn't even have to be i'm going to stop and do this you could do it while you're sitting in traffic you could do it while you're going pee or washing the dishes you can literally do it whenever you can find pleasure in the warm water on your hands as you wash dishes if you're paying attention And a lot of times we're just not actually receiving the pleasures of the moment. And so it doesn't have to be an either or. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm disciplined right now. So I'm cutting myself off from pleasure. Like I said, I bring all kinds of yummy rituals into my workflow because it actually feeds my discipline. And so I think it's it's getting really clear on what do I want at my core? What is what is my soul desire rather than like a temporary ego desire? And then being willing to feel the emotions as they come up because emotions are energy. You've probably heard people say emotions are energy in motion. And anytime that we feel an emotion, there is an energy that is available to be harnessed towards a specific purpose if we choose to allow it. But if we're always avoiding it, we're stuffing it down. And then like you said, we're being faced with reality from a more depleted place afterwards we don't actually escape it we only temporarily escape it but for example anger anger is enormous energy anger shows up when a boundary has been crossed when there's something that needs to change it's it's an incredible fuel for change if we channel it appropriately sexual energy is an incredible force. Uh, A lot of times when we have that compulsory tendency to distract ourselves by masturbating because there's something that we don't want to deal with that's going to be challenging for us, we are selling ourselves short because that sexual energy is there as an ally for us to help us push through that thing. Especially male sexual energy is, is very fiery. It's, it's, the, it's the element of fire. And when that energy arises and it asks you the question, do you want to use me to distract you or do you want to use me to get this done? And we often don't hear that there's a question there. We often don't know. We don't realize there's an option. And so we might take the cheaper route and say, well, fuck it. I just want to have an orgasm. And if you choose that route, just notice how do you feel afterwards And how does it feed into you being able to take on that task that you're avoiding? Just getting curious about it versus what happens if I breathe in to this sensation of avoidance and I really allow myself to feel it 
and I get clear on what do I need to be able to face this task head on. And if you want, you can bring in your sexual energy to this in a very tangible way. You can use a self-pleasure practice, an intentional one, where you don't orgasm, you build the energy, you circulate it through your body, and then you channel that into your project and so rather than stuffing it down or Mm -hmm. using it as like a quick way to have a pressure valve you allow that energy to build up as vitality because that's what it is we create life with our sexual energy so why wouldn't we be able to channel that into creating whatever else we need to create that day and we can allow that energy to build and nourish our body and then use it as fuel to tackle that project it's, it's very much that young, get shit done energy for men. And so this is why if you are masturbating compulsively, if you're watching a lot of porn, you're often going to find yourself robbed of that young edge that pushes you to get shit done. You're often going to feel lazier, more distracted, more brain fogged, less focused, less motivated, less confident. All of these things happen, one, because you just had this huge dopamine blast. So you've just received the signal that you've already achieved the reward that you're after. Even though you haven't actually done anything, you had an orgasm, but you, you haven't accomplished the thing that you're, that you're after, that you're trying to avoid or that you're trying to fix. And this can be really problematic in multiple different ways, which I'll get to in a moment, but you get flooded with that dopamine. You think you've already achieved the reward that you're after. You also get a big dump of prolactin, and prolactin is the hormone that is released for men when they ejaculate, and this is the hormone that's responsible for the ejaculatory hangover that many men experience. Some Mm. men don't even realize they're experiencing an ejaculatory hangover until they stop ejaculating so much or they stop um, mindlessly masturbating so much and then they start to notice, wow, I have a lot more energy and focus. I didn't realize how much that was taking out of me. So some men are very aware of the effects of it. Other men, not as much until they stop. But it's depleting you because you're also fleshing out an enormous amount of life force. You create life with that ejaculation. You have the potential to. One ejaculation is enough to populate all of LA, which is nuts when you think about it. So that is a lot of life force energy, or Jing, as the Taoists call it, um, that you're you're literally flushing down the toilet. Um, so, So with that, when you're signaling to yourself that you've already achieved the reward you're after, you've gotten that dopamine blast, you're not motivated to go do what you need to do after. So let's say you were anxious or you were lonely, you're not going to feel confident after that mindless masturbation session to go fix the problem that you're trying to avoid. Let's say you're anxious around women. And so it's, it's easier for you to watch porn and masturbate. That's never going to move you closer to feeling confident with women. It's going to have the opposite effect. If you're lonely and so you decide to masturbate to porn rather than going out and connecting with women in real life or men, whoever, whoever you want to connect with, you're never going to move closer to actually having the connection Mm. that's going to fulfill that loneliness because you're signaling to your body, I don't have to do the work. I don't have to push my edges. I can just kick back and push a button and do my habitual rub and tug and 
there I go. I have my dopamine blast and I'm good. I'm chilling, status quo, maintained. And I'll do it again and again and again because there's no reason not to until it gets to the point where I realize I'm just, as you spoke to earlier in our conversation before we started recording, pulling from an empty well. And you start realizing that there's there's nothing left to pull from it. And you feel empty and you feel depressed. Um, or maybe, you know, you're 30 years old and you've never had sex before because you've relied on porn so heavily. And it's become this self-perpetuating cycle where you don't feel confident around women. You're constantly getting the signal from your body that you've already achieved it. There's no edge to go meet them. And so this this is happening more and more often. I work with a lot of men who porn kind of took the place of moving through the awkward phases of getting to know women, learning how to relate with them, having awkward sexual experiences because it was easier to avoid the discomfort. They decided to watch porn instead. Yeah, that really resonates with my experience. I was a virgin until 21 years old and from like in the university years I was consciously not going out and engaging with women I had a lot of fear and resistance around that and I found this sort of comfort zone perceived safety bubble of hey rather than going out and facing rejection um I can just go and watch porn and basically like protect that part of my ego that's scared to present who I am because I I think we often look at it I don't want to say the wrong way but I, I think there's healthier perspectives than like I need to go out and put myself out there and chat with women and go through the rejection. Um, While that may be the path for a lot of people, I do think there's this deeper path of really accepting, honoring, and loving who you are and going out and sharing that with the world without any expectation of sexual connection and return of that. And I think that's how we really come into harmony with our relationships is when we're simply just being ourselves and shining our light unfiltered uh, rather than like having this pressure of having to go out there and face this uh, this mountain that we've created in our minds what type of words would you have for someone who may be listening now that can relate and they are somewhat conscious that they are choosing not to put themselves out there in social settings and rather staying in this comfort zone of porn use but really wanting in the bigger picture in the long run to be able to connect with women but they they feel that first level of resistance Uh, what would you say to them in regards into easing into that maybe not just jumping into the deep end but what are some steps that they can take to come closer to that well I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about going out in the world and being yourself without the grabbiness behind it of I'm doing this so that I can get laid or so that I can meet women um and that's a really important distinction to draw because it's like if you 
if you stay on your couch watching porn, like, yes, you're never going to meet people that you're interested in connecting with unless you like happen to, you know, run into them somewhere at the grocery store and they talk to you or whatever, you know, like your chances are going to be very small. But also, if you go out with the goal of substantiating your self-worth with sex or women, if your ego is tied up in sex, that's also going to repel the type of experiences that you want to have. And it's going to create a lot more pressure on you to be like, okay, I'm going out to achieve this thing. And if this person rejects me, then I've, I've failed at my, my mission. We don't want to approach it in that way. Like I, I think curiosity is one of the most important things we can weave into almost every situation. So what I would say to somebody who's in this situation is just start going out into the world just simply to experience, mm. just simply to know yourself through other people, other parts of the world, other like, like what it, you know, going to a coffee shop to work on some things, going to like accepting invitations as they arise, going to um, new dance classes or any kind of like class or club that's exploring some sort of new hobby where you can meet people simply with the intention to just familiarize yourself with being around people and being yourself around people and that's that's going to be the biggest thing you can do and i i always recommend like for for men that have a hard time talking with women i always recommend like just make a point to talk to women anywhere and everywhere who you're not attracted mm -hmm. to just for the simple sake of getting comfortable with making conversation connecting without having a hidden grabbing grasping want behind it because women can feel that they're repelled by that often even if it is a man that we're attracted to if we can feel that he's like grasping for something there's something that feels kind of icky like there's something he's trying to get out of it so the more that you can condition yourself to talk to people without agenda i think the more magic you're going to see unfold in your connections yeah, and I think a great way to do that, as you alluded to, is exploring your hobbies in social environments and really mm -hmm. showing up to events that align with your genuine curiosity and doing your best to just be there for that. And if this topic of connecting with women is a building storyline in your head, I can empathize with you. I used to live that way. And if somebody told me to just go to a dance event and not think about it, it may sound easier said than done. But I do think it's great advice to really just explore things that you want to do, get out of the house, get around people. And like you said, I, I think there's a lot of value in just speaking to women that you're not attracted to. And particularly like what comes to mind for me is the barista at the coffee shop or when you go to order your food, wherever it is, like it's an opportunity to practice eye contact and to just feel it out. And I yes. think the more that you do that, uh, you find a level of safety in those moments and then coming back to the nervous system this allows you to really sink in and pay attention to the details and feel it rather than having this really anxious system that's uh looking for a way to run away from all of that anxiety so there's baby steps mm -hmm. that we can all take to get more 
comfortable is a strong word, but to feel safer in these engagements. Absolutely. And I, I think like, of course, yeah, it's, it's easier said than done. But if you can choose situations where there's like, it's like if you're if you're not going out with an expectation and there is not a bunch at stake, you're not going to be disappointed. You're not going to feel like a failure if you don't have the best night ever. It's like, oh, like I tried this thing and it went this way and that's okay. Whereas if you're going out being like, I'm going to meet somebody tonight, you know, there's, there's, you're setting yourself up for more anxiety, for more pressure, for disappointment if it doesn't happen. Whereas like the, the server or the barista Mm. that you can just make eye contact, smile at, ask, how's your day been? How's the night? Like, has it been busy? Like have anything fun going on this weekend? Like just getting comfortable making small talk in those kinds of situations can go such a long way because there isn't anything at stake. Like even if you totally butcher it and you know, the whole thing feels awkward, like who cares? You're just getting a coffee. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're entertaining them. They're at work. I used to work in sales and there was a period in my career where I had to do a lot of cold calling and this terrified me. I hated it. And what I found was really helpful was that before going into the office, I would go to a cafe and flirt with the coffee people, whether it was a man or a woman. I don't mean like sexually flirt, just playful energy and looseness. And the difference between showing up to the office, having spoken to no one, and now go call Mr. Prospect and sell him some stuff that you don't know anything about versus, <laughs> hey, I'm showing up and I've already engaged with the human. It gave me a sense of confidence and security and lightness around human connection. And hey, it doesn't have to be so difficult when you don't put so much on it. So I think that relates very much to what we're talking about here. So just get those social warm-ups uh, where they're offered and really people who are working in the service industry they're at the cafe for six hours they would love to be distracted by by your engagement for a few minutes so they're there for you totally and and like i think one of the really important things for people to understand is you know the way you do one thing is the way you do everything in a lot of ways it's like when when people are like oh i feel so uncomfortable sexually with a lover it's like well how do you feel with that lover outside of the bedroom like do you feel like you can trust in them do you feel like you can be vulnerable with them if not maybe you need to build that before you're going to the bedroom with them Mm. you know like i the casual sex is is fine if that's what you're after but if, if you're having issues in the bedroom and you feel insecure then i think building intimacy with somebody and, and having vulnerable conversations and taking things slowly is, is a good way to explore that. And, and it is true. Actually, you know, some people do. It's interesting. Some people will only have sexual issues with like the person that they really care about. Mm-hmm. And some people will have them when they don't have that trust and vulnerability. So it's different for everyone. But I do think that the more comfortable we are with ourselves, the more comfortable we are with being vulnerable, the more okay we are with not getting it right Mm. um when i I say that in quotes because there is no getting it right but with with making mistakes with feeling awkward with slipping up and like something not going as we had hoped the more okay we are with that the less pressure we're going to feel in any area of life so if we can practice small 
conversations with the barista, that is going to translate to the moments that matter to us more. Mm. Yeah, when you spoke about fear of making mistakes, it brought up this concept of performance and then this striving for perfection. And you really helped me see the light on taking performance out of the entire sexual experience and really viewing it as a place of exploration and supreme presence. Um, so that's been really helpful for me. I'm so glad to hear <laughs> that. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's one of the other biggest challenges of porn is that it fractures our attention span. And, and so does much of the modern world. We have a million things beeping at us. And, you know, with, with porn, we have whatever type of person available to us at the click of a button doing whatever we could possibly imagine them doing at the click of a button. It's like there is um, no need to be present. We can just like click through. We can switch scenes. We can it's like there's there's nothing we have to work towards. There's nothing we have to listen to. There's no way that we have to show up to uh, run our energy in a specific way or to listen to a lover's body or to cultivate stamina. We are literally training ourselves to be stuck in the mind, to be goal oriented, to come quickly, to not be present when we are always getting off to porn. Nothing, nothing about it is similar to what's required of us when we are with an actual real human. And so I think presence is one of it, it to me, it's the most important piece of being a good lover. If you're not present, forget it. Like you, you could have like what you think are all the moves, but if you're like, if your head's not there, if you're not paying attention, if you're not in your body, that's going to be the weirdest shit ever. Like it's not going to be enjoyable to your lover if you're not there with them. And so I think that's the biggest thing to recognize is that we need to start working on our presence in every area of life and being with the people that we're with in that moment without thinking about where is this going to go? Where am I trying to get with it? But more so just being curious. How do I interact with this cup of tea in this moment, mm -hmm. with this cashier at the grocery store in this moment, with this person I really like in this moment? Can I just be curious about them without needing it to go anywhere specific. And I think the presence it's, I, I just can't stress enough how supremely important it is. So I'm, I'm really glad that you spoke to that. Yeah. On that note, I think it opens the door to talk about porn's effect on our pleasure receptors. So for example, mm -hmm. um, just to paint a picture, uh, two scenarios, if scenario one is I haven't used porn in two years and I'm sitting with that cup of tea that you speak about, uh, I believe I'm able to be more present with the simple sensations of it. And if the other scenario is I've been masturbating to porn uh, every day for the last two months, it almost feels to me like my pleasure receptor has been blasted so hard that I'm almost blind or numb to the simple beauties that the present moment provides. And as a result, what do we do? We go searching for those big dopamine blasts because that's all we can feel anymore. 
And if we trade the cup of tea to an exchange with a romantic partner, you know, it's just the subtle touching and tuning into the simplest energies and really soaking the juice out of that, which would then allow you to enjoy the journey more freely rather than being numbed out. And it's like, all I feel is when I bust. So like you're focused on getting to that end result. What can you share with us about porn's effect on our pleasure receptors and how that leads into areas of our life? I'm so glad you brought this up. Oh, this is a big one. This is a really big one that so many people are not aware of. So porn is incredibly addictive for lots of reasons. It's like it's novelty. It's, you know, it's, it's so easy for people if they've been addicted to porn to get bored of their partner because they're addicted to the novelty that exists within porn rather than having the capacity to go deeper with their lover. And you build a tolerance um, as, as you keep getting these dopamine blasts from it, as you keep going to more extreme content, as you fracture your attention span across so many different people, you build a tolerance. And so what did it for you at one point won't do it for you at another point if you're constantly chasing the next big thing. And so this is where sensitivity comes into play and Mm. it's huge. And some people have the problem of being too desensitized. Some people feel overly sensitized. And I think porn can affect this in both directions, but sensitivity is a gift. It is such a gift and we need to learn how to work with it. And so I know a lot of men are ashamed if they're super sensitive and they come too quickly in their situation. They need to really be able to slow down and tune in with their breath and take things very slowly and just be present with every little sensation because too much too fast is, is going to set them off in a way that they feel out of control. So they need to slow down for the person who is desensitized And this is a lot of men, especially men who are circumcised and men who have watched a lot of porn, women who have used a lot of vibrators, anyone who has experienced a lot of trauma, all of these things can desensitize us because trauma happens when it's too much, too fast, too soon. And the nervous system can short circuit and feel like, whoa, that was way too much at once. And then either goes numb or becomes hyper, hyper sensitive. So this is another place that I was talking about where porn can create that hypersensitization in the same way. Let's say like if you jerk off super hard and fast or if a woman uses a vibrator and you have this like really intense explosive orgasm you're often either going to go numb after or be hyper, hypersensitive because your body's saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, not yet. Like, I need a moment to recalibrate. Let's take a step back. Let's slow down. And a lot of times we're, we're coming at our genitals way too fast and way too hard. So if you're using a death mm. grip when you jerk off, like, you're going to be decreasing your sensitivity majorly and you're going to need an enormous amount of pressure speed friction to be able to feel and i I liken this to kind of using a ton of like um Mm. butter and like sugar butter and salt on your food to make it taste good because you can't taste the more subtle qualities of the food or 
Another amazing way to look at this is if you've ever gone on a sugar detox, a sugar cleanse, and you start yeah. noticing like, wow, this apple tastes so much sweeter than I ever noticed. Like, I can't believe apples are so sweet. And then when you get off the sugar cleanse and you eat a cookie and it's like, oh, this is so sweet. And it's like sickly. It's the same thing. We have to reset our palate. We have to recalibrate our nervous system to be able to feel the deeper subtleties. So anything that is like super intense speed, friction, pressure, vibrators, these kinds of things are going to be way too intensive sensation to be able, like they're, they're going to short circuit your ability to taste all the other flavors, to feel the more subtle sensations. And when we're so used to blasting ourselves with these jackhammer mm. vibrations, it's like, yeah, we don't notice how good the sun feels on our skin and that little breeze through our hair. And, oh, do you smell those pine trees? Like it's, it's like those little things we become numb to and they're in the background and like our, our lover just kind of like grazing our knee yeah, and I feel that so much of the world many of us live in today, and I'm speaking to smartphones and Instagram, uh, social media, it goes beyond porn. Um, sure, porn may be a, a big jackhammer version of what we're talking about here, but if we're mindlessly going to our phone in any moment of boredom, uh, it feels like we're sort of detraining our brain to be with what is and to soak up the sensations of feeling what the air feels like in this room. And we're just like constantly overloading our brain with more and more information, which is ultimately, I believe, taking us away from our ability to tune into the simple sensations of life. Something that really brings me a lot of inspiration is recognizing that the body is absolutely incredible and for anyone out there who feels like they've gone too deep or reached a point of no return um, from overindulging in this stimulation whether it's social media porn whatever shoe fits for you it's uh, remembering that the body will course correct itself if we give it the space and you know get our nervous system to a place where it's rested and we can repair those circuits if you will now i'm now i'm speaking out of my jurisdiction but uh you tell me speak to that a little bit to anyone out there who maybe feels like yeah i, I hear what you're saying but have i burned out my receptors have i gone too far yeah oh this is, you know, it's it's a practice of patience. It really is. It's it's reattuning to the subtleties. It's like, yeah, drinking a cup of tea and really savoring the flavor and noticing how it feels in your body is going to feel different than that quad espresso with eight pumps of mocha syrup that you're used to, <laughs> right? It's going to feel different. You're not going to mm. get the same effect from it. <laughs> And I think that's I think that's what we need to, to realize, too, is like we are going for a different type of experience. We're not expecting that the tea is going to deliver that same effect 
were getting curious about what kind of experience is possible with this cup of tea that maybe I never even scratched the surface of with that mocha because the type of experience I was going for with that was to get like all jacked up on caffeine and like pumped and whatever. But what if like the tea brings forth this quality of aliveness and presence that you've never felt before and it's subtle, it's subtle, but it's, it's real and it's, you're just tuning in with every little thing that your body is feeling. You're not juicing your body for more. You're not demanding of your body. Caffeine is juicing our adrenals. It's just, it's just pulling from our jing. It's pulling from reserves. It's, it's hard on the adrenals and the kidneys. And a lot of things that we do, you know, loading up on lots of sugar or porn or social media, like these things, they're, they're depleting for the body. And so to replenish the body, it's going to feel different. But when we, when we restore that vitality, when we restore that sensitivity, we start noticing new qualities of richness that are different than what we could have ever imagined. And sometimes those will feel very extreme. Sometimes they will be very blissful. Sometimes they will be like nothing we could have imagined. And sometimes they're going to be very subtle, but they're just deeply enjoyable. And so I think getting out of the goal orientation is huge and recognizing it's going to take time to recalibrate. And can we hold our center through it rather than chasing these big extremes? Because with that quad espresso, you're going to have a crash after that as well. You pendulum, you Mm -hmm. swing from side to side. When you're holding your center and you're staying present and you're listening to your body, it's going to be a bit more even keeled. And it, it is amazing the body's capacity to heal and to reset, but it can be a frustrating process at first. So I, I just want to like encourage people to be patient with themselves and to not, you, you have to get out of, it's like um, Einstein said, the, the same mind that created the problem will not be the one to solve it. So if, if you're sitting here wanting instant gratification from, okay, I stopped using my vibrator. Why am I not resensitized? It's like, that's not how that works. You know, we, we have to take the time to resensitize and to lean into the numbness that might be there and to get curious about the numbness and to redevelop a relationship with our genitals, with our sexual energy in the same way that we would need to repair that relationship if that was a person we had been treating that way. Mm. If there was a person in your life that you just called up when you wanted something and you just like banged it out with them real quick and then just like carried on and, and like expected them to always show up for you in this way, like they would not feel good about that. Mm. And our, our genitals can in our bodies can be the same way where they're like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not going to do it anymore. And they draw a boundary with us and then we can't get erections or we can't get wet or we're having pain during sex or we're exhausted or we start having digestive issues because we've been eating like shit. At some point, the body says enough is enough. I had a client recently who um, had been watching porn for years and and very much um, using a lot of friction, a lot of pressure when he masturbated and he was having a hard time getting hard. And I, I told him to take the time to ask his cock to, to just express, like, what, how are you? How are you doing? What do you need <laughs> to just check in? And his cock said, you demand too much of me. Mm. And I thought that was really profound. That was what he heard. You demand too much of me. And so then my suggestion was, let's stop trying to get something out of him. 
let's lay down the frustration that he's not getting hard, that he's not having orgasms, that he's not showing up in this way we want him to. You've been coming at him in a way that doesn't feel good to him, that isn't reciprocal. So how can we give back to him? How can you ask him what he needs and give to him in a way that is nourishing and therapeutic and replenishing without needing anything in return? Because he's already given so much. And so this is part of what an intentional self-pleasure practice is, is to give back to our bodies. There is a reciprocity involved of what can I give to my body rather than what can I get from it? What else can I milk it for? What do I want it to show up to do for me? It's a totally different approach to, hey body, what can I do for you? What would feel good for you right now? And that's a key distinction. And sure enough, working with these self-pleasure practices, he started regaining sensitivity. He started regaining erectile strength. The body will heal. It will respond when we slow down and listen. And it's, it's pretty crazy. Like there are men who cannot get hard at all. They don't even get erections when they sleep because they've been severely addicted to porn and it can take nine months of no porn and rewiring the body for the erection strength to return but it will return the body is miraculous it just needs to know that you're listening because when the body draws that boundary it's simply letting you know i can't keep up with this it's not that your body's not working it's that it's saying hey we got to do this a different way and we need to be on the same team as our bodies because that's that's our number one teammate. I love it. You recently published a podcast about the perspective on sexual dysfunction, if you want to label it as such. And we sometimes have this response that my penis isn't showing up the way I want it to, uh, but ultimately it's our body communicating to us. And <laughs> if we don't learn to give a voice to our cock. I really like that. I mean, it, it made me chuckle, but it's so deep and so true that we ask for so much out of this part of ourselves. And have we ever listened and given it a voice? And I think most people haven't had that conceptualized that way. So I think that'll be really helpful. And learning to listen to our body and what it's asking for. And rather than using it, like you said, sort of creating a, a loving relationship where there is reciprocated energy and this is an exchange that's sustainable and expansive and ultimately I think where anyone listening would like to live their human experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a constant work in progress, as you know. You know, relationships are, are dynamic. They're ever-evolving and... We don't reach a point of arrival. It's like we have to continue checking in with our bodies and with our sexual energy and getting curious. And that's that's one of the most beautiful purposes of having a mindful masturbation practice, a self-pleasure practice, a self-cultivation practice, as the Taoists call it, is you're cultivating that energy within yourself. You're cultivating sensitivity, awareness, deep listening. You're connecting with that primordial essence that you are made out of that runs through you in a unique way and you're 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 cultivating sexual sovereignty and i think this is a big one is so many people outsource their turn on 
and their sexual satisfaction to mm. other people. Of course, yeah, other people are arousing. Other people are fun to have sex with. Great. But <clears throat> if we are dependent on that, if we are in this place of neediness, I need this other person to fill my cup and I have no way of doing that on my own. That's where we get resentment in relationships and pity sex and all kinds of problems that, that nobody enjoys navigating. And I think a lot of people can start to lose touch with their unique connection with their sexual energy. They start to only know their sexual energy in the context of their lover. Mm. They've forgotten how to connect with it in a way that is that is their own. Um, and I know a lot of women often think that their sexual energy is for their man. I've worked with a lot of mm. women who are like, sex isn't for me, it's for my man, it's something I do for him, it's like this obligatory chore. Mm. And for those women, it's so important to come back to this place of sexual sovereignty, of knowing what is your pleasure and claiming ownership of that and how do you bring that to yourself and how do you use it as a way to inform you in knowing what you want and what your body likes and what it doesn't like and empowering you to ask for what you want and to reclaim ownership of that in a way that is incredibly empowering um, or for people who you know feel like they're not getting what they want from their lover there's a ton that we can do to deepen that connection with our lover but also if we are not taking the time to stir that cauldron on mm. our own if we are not tending to that energy and we're expecting them to do all the work it's not it's not going to be a very fulfilling dynamic and I, I think that's another piece that plays into it is we have to be in polarity with ourselves and with life to be in polarity with our lover and so if we are never knocking on the door of our sexual energy if we're not living a life that turns us on if we're not taking the time to intentionally enjoy sensual pleasures we're going to come to the table with cold water. We're not going to be in a place that is like open and primed for sexual connection. And then we're expecting like, oh, it's my lover's job mm. to turn me on. It's their job to get me to this point. And so I think having an intentional self-pleasure practice is an incredible way that you keep that water flowing, you keep it warm, you keep tending it and stirring the pot and filling your own cup in a way that's fulfilling. And so then you are giving from an overflowing cup rather than a deficit of needing somebody else to fill your void. That sounds nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are the baby steps or what are some points of direction for someone who may be listening and had the same response I just had like yeah I want that overflow um, <laughs> I want to cultivate a deeper connection with my own sexual energy without the dependency of external sources uh, how I know it's a deep topic but what are some just small steps that somebody could take today to move in that direction hmm yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I am going to be offering a play shop for men that's going to dive into this in a lot greater detail. And I'm going to offer one for women as well. Those are coming up very soon in the next couple weeks here. And I have larger ones for men that journey very deep into it. But these, these play shops are going to lay the foundations and help everyone 
cultivate a more pleasurable, not just self-pleasure practice, but life in general. But I will offer a few things to work with here and now because there's some really beautiful, simple practices that you can start to fold in that can make a big difference. The first one is to make love Mm. to yourself. Like really make love to yourself in the way that you would a lover. If you only save that for a lover and you like cut yourself off from that, it's like, what are you programming your body and your sexual energy with? How is that feeding into your self-worth and your self-love? How is that feeding into your magnetism? If you're just in this like, get it done, going to run to the hostel bathroom shamefully and then rub it out as quickly as possible and carry on with my day... You, you wouldn't feel good if a lover treated mm. you that way. So your body is also probably not feeling good being treated that way. So really getting curious on how do I offer myself the same quality of touch and presence and listening that I would offer to a lover. And if you have this mentality of like, oh, it's just me, what is that saying about you? Like you, you deserve to be made love mm. to even if it's just you and yourself like you and yourself is a big deal that's all it is your whole life from start to finish it's like yeah there are people come and go but ultimately like that's that's your best <laughs> bud right there so you know it's like you you have to you have to honor yourself in that way um i had i had a uh, previous client that had like dropped off on his self-pleasure practices and told me he was struggling and getting back into porn again. And I said, have you been doing your self-pleasure practices? He said, well, no, it's just me and my little Mm. penis. And I was like, with that attitude, how do you expect to be attracting anyone into your life? That is not an attractive attitude that's going to bring anyone into your life. You have to first heal that perspective that you have of yourself. If that's how you're viewing you and your body, not magnetic at all, not enjoyable for you, it's like, let's, let's rebuild that connection of, of finding that reverence, that, that love, that care, that pleasure that you can bring yourself because you deserve it, because your sexual energy is yours. It's not for anyone else. It's available to be shared with people if you choose, but it's like you are made of it. It's moving through you at all times. Anyone that you are aroused by they just stirred awake a sexual energy that already existed within you it didn't come from them it came from within you so we want to we want to work to source that turn on from within so that's that's another one of my recommendations for starting a self-pleasure practice is sourcing your turn on from within how can you become aroused by yourself noticing the parts of your body you appreciate Noticing the parts of your energy and your heart and your spirit that you appreciate. You can use a mirror if you'd like. That can be a big edge for some people, but it can be a really great practice. It's like, what what is it that you love about yourself? And can you stir awake your own sexual energy? And it doesn't even have to be just about yourself. It could be just the the vitality, the breath moving through you and how that feels in your body and how it feels to be connected to source energy, to be connected to everything that is through the breath. Can you be turned on by your surroundings, by like the the incense you just lit or mm. like the the sound of the birds and the breeze outside, you know? Like there's there's so much to be turned on by that doesn't have to be explicitly sexual. 
And the other thing I would say is it is so important that we find a way to be turned on by life, that we're living a life that turns us on. And it doesn't even have to be that we're living this crazy, extravagant, adventurous life to do so, but it's finding the pleasure in the small moments and dropping in to our five senses as they are available to us in each and every moment, recognizing that pleasure is available to us in every moment, tapping into the feeling of aliveness, of gratitude, of vitality through the breath and our connection to all that is through the breath. I mean, we we can get so high just through breathing in a deep belly, continuous way that is fully oxygenating our system. And so, that's a really beautiful practice to just have in our back pocket if we're feeling shut down or turned off by life or disconnected. There's so many ways that we can drop back into the turn on of each moment. And so if we are living a life that we feel kind of blah about, very lackluster, that's going to reflect in the bedroom. That's going to reflect in our sexual turn on and in our connection with our lover. And we're going to end up feeling like we're bringing cold water to the table rather than keeping that energy stirring and vital and alive that we can then bring to share with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd like to just share from my own experience that oftentimes I find myself in a tornado of stimulation and my last moment of presence was long in the past, it feels like. And sometimes I'll try to do a one-hour meditation or a 45-minute yoga session. And the truth is I... I quit on it. I stop midway through because I'm almost too anxious or that's what it feels like. And then there's this feeling of shame that accompanies that failure and quitting. And then this feeling of shame is a heavy frequency that sort of perpetuates the escaping. So what I'd just like to offer to anyone listening now that's worked for me is really if you notice that you're spinning out of control and haven't been present just to take a moment literally just a moment and connect with your breath like you're saying the connection with breath is so incredibly powerful to anchor us into the present moment and what i've been doing lately is just taking three or four breaths consciously and sometimes not even these super profound deep breaths is just tuning in with my breath with full awareness for maybe what takes 22 seconds and it just brings me a little bit closer so instead of having this all or nothing mindset I think it's really valuable to use these simple tools to make progress and just slow down a little bit. Absolutely. And the breath is something that we can do in any moment. So it's it's nice if we can stop and take those breaths. But even if we can't, even if we're like, I got to keep going, we can still bring those breaths into that moment no matter what we're doing. And that's where the real work happens, actually, because if you only breathe when you're sitting on your yoga mat or your meditation cushion, 
It's, it's not getting woven into the rest of your life. It's when you can remember to breathe when you're pissed off in traffic or when you're super stressed out trying to get out the door or when you're anxious while making love. You know, like any of these, these are the times that it really matters to breathe. And so the more we practice breath and presence in the moment to moment, day to day existence, the more easily that translates into a situation like being uh, sexually connecting with somebody and maybe having some anxiety or feeling intense because there's lots of emotions and lots of turn on happening. If we've been reminding ourselves to breathe in the other areas of our life, it's going to be easier to remember to breathe in this area. So, you know, you don't have to make it out to be this like big, fancy, complicated practice, just a few simple breaths can go a long way. And um, actually, why don't we why don't we take a few breaths all together right now? So taking a moment to just close your eyes, bring it all the way down into your belly, into your pelvic bowl, letting that belly inflate like a big Buddha belly. And then exhale, letting it all out with an audible sigh. <sighs> taking two more at your own pace. And just taking a moment to notice what shifted in your body and in your mind, just from those three simple breaths. Remembering that this is available to you in every moment. It's free. It exists within you. We're literally swimming in it at all times. It's crazy uh, sometimes to come back to that truth of just how powerful and how beneficial it is to take a breath. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, Lee, is there anything else um, before we come into our closure here that you feel you really want to share about anything that's been particularly helpful for you on this journey or anything that you want everyone else to know that could be supportive to them? Hmm. Yeah, I guess in conclusion... Um, I would just like to remind everyone out there to be kind to themselves uh, in whatever experience they're going through. In this case, I know that porn addiction can be a, a challenging process to break away from. And if you find yourself relapsing or going back after a week of taking a break uh, what I would like to share is just to to allow that and ultimately in accepting wherever we are in this moment I think is the ultimate path uh, but mostly you know shame has just been such a topic for me these last few months and recognizing the amount of shame I hold on myself and then the ripple effects of carrying that. So I believe it's very natural to feel some level of shame when you uh, use porn when you're trying to quit. But I would encourage you, I would invite you to even allow that, you know, don't dismiss the shame. And you really helped me recognize how to transmute 
this energy, Soraya, and it's just, it's all a process. Quitting porn, learning how to integrate shame, it's not like you learn it once and then it's done. We're always evolving, and everyone out there is having some type of difficulty in their life that they're learning. So I really invite you to be kind to yourself in whatever it is that you're working on. And also for me, uh, the power of community has been, I don't have the words to really explain the significance of that support in my life. And everyone's different, but I can say it doesn't even have to be uh, men's quitting porn group community. When I say community, I just mean leaning on the strength of our fellow human beings and having someone that you can be vulnerable with and truthful with so that you're no longer holding all of this energy inside of you somewhere to really release it in a place where it's being received. That's been incredibly valuable to me. So I would encourage you to to lean on your homies and if there's no one you have to be vulnerable with that's a space that I'm ultimately stepping into is holding space for these types of interactions and not so much a coaching call per se but more an unconditional friend so if you have those friends out there I really encourage you to lean on that in these moments and Please just be kind to yourself. Everyone benefits when we're being kind to ourselves and it's sometimes easier said than done. So I, I send you lots of love and support in your experience. Mm. Yeah, thank you for speaking to that. You know, shame is one of the biggest blockages to pleasure and to self-love and it keeps us disconnected from each other and, and from ourselves. And so being kind, being patient, recognizing that Shame is only going to stand in the way of, of healing this. So the more that you can have compassion for yourself and just honor the journey, honor the process and, and to have kindness for one another too. have kindness for your lovers. Um, if your lover has disappointed you in some way, be kind and loving in how you work through it and try to talk about it in a way that is honoring that everyone's on their journey and that we all have our stuff around sexuality. Nobody has you know, moved through their sex life, having not a single insecurity or traumatic experience or something that was painful or disappointing. And so the more openly we can talk about these things and hold each other through the process, the more effectively we can move through them. And, you know, I think you've all seen Lee just share so openly about his experience with this journey. And I, I encourage everybody to take some inspiration from that to just try deepening conversations with your lovers, with the people in your life, because we're all going through it on some level. And the more that we can pull it out of the shadows and out of the shame, the more we can hold that in a place of love and move through it together. So Lee, I just always appreciate you so much just sharing so genuinely about your experiences and just being such an open book that people get to enjoy reading. Um, the amount of people that have shared with Lee and I what the conversations between us have opened for them and, and how much 
more comfortable they've felt opening up after hearing Lee talk about his own experiences has been so touching. We get messages about this all the time. And so I'm just really grateful to be able to share these perspectives with all of you. Thank you for tuning in. And um, yeah, Lee, I would I would love for you to share just how else people can find you and follow your work. And do you have offerings coming up that you would like to share? Yeah, thank you. Before I share what I'm sharing, I just want to take a moment to say that I'm grateful to be able to share this vulnerably in a way it's very liberating to me. And initially, when I started sharing on the internet about my human experience, there was a few moments where there was a lot of fear and I wondered if I was going to be judged by my family and friends and this, that, and the third. And once I really stepped through that, I found that this has been a medicine for me to come on here and just own it and send it out to the world. And if another human being can connect and find that they're not alone from what I'm sharing, I mean, what a, what a beautiful gift that is for me and for whoever's out there. So thank you for asking me to come on here and have this lovely chat with you. And in regards to what I'm sharing, the best place to find me right now is on Instagram, and that's more underscore army. We'll have that in the, the notes at the bottom of the podcast here. And next month, I'm going to be launching some one-off workshops as well as uh, courses that extend over a few weeks, which really just focus on bringing awareness to different areas of our life, maybe where we have limiting beliefs or our avoidance and escapism. And the main intention there is to provide awareness with a little bit of humor, you know, not to make these things a joke, but to add a little bit of lightness to maybe some heavy topics. So it's awareness and then also integration because oftentimes we have all this information coming at us and we sort of overload ourselves with the awareness factor and then maybe we don't really take the time to integrate it. So that's really what I'm going to be focused on, focusing on moving forward. And you can find me on Instagram. I'd love to come on here again in a month or two and discuss a fresh topic. So hopefully I'll see you all again before long. Yes, yes. Would love to have you on here again. And, and Lee and I are always recording different things together. We're going to do an IG live together soon. And so if you if you enjoyed this conversation, please continue to tune in. And if you want to go deeper into self-pleasure, I'm offering both a self-pleasure play shop for men and one for women in the coming weeks here. So definitely get on my mailing list. Um, You can find the link to do so in the show notes if you want to dive deeper into these practices. And I also have two more extensive courses for men called Vital Confidence and Multi-Orgasmic Vitality if you want to go all in and, and really embark on the path of sexual mastery. And these 
these play shops I have coming up will be a really good way to get your toes wet in a way that's going to really transform the way you relate to self-pleasure without it being a huge commitment. It's just a nice way to to start working and, and taking the first step um, in a way that's going to be really impactful even with just those first few steps. So I encourage you to check them out if you want to go deeper in this and check Lee out, give him a follow. He's got lots of good stuff coming your way. Uh, so thank you everyone for being here today. If you loved this episode, please do leave a review, share it with somebody who you love, who you feel would benefit. And thank you, Lee, so much for being here. It's so good to have you. Mm, thank you. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Ciao, everyone. Thank you so much for dropping into Nectar, Sex, and Soul with me today. It's been a pleasure to connect with you. If this episode lit you up or illuminated something impactful for you in some way, I invite you to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with someone you feel would love to hear it. To learn more about my work, check out SoreyaLeonara.com, sign up for my newsletter, and follow me on Instagram and YouTube, where I share tons of free content, special offers, and ensure you're the first to know about my new offerings. I offer private coaching as well as courses, workshops, and retreats, so be sure to stay in touch if you'd like to go deeper together. Thank you, loves. Have a gorgeous day. Ciao.